When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy Monday morning, everybody. Welcome in. It's the PHNX Cardinals podcast, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast. Johnny Venerable, Volp Rock, audio only I don't know, rapid reaction two days later, three days later, following the Arizona Cardinals tough loss to Kansas City at home. Bo and I have yet to have a chance to chat one on one. We thank everybody helping us welcome our newest co-host on game day. Britton Golden's doing a fabulous job. But now it's just it's just a couple schlubs here on a Monday morning digesting the Isaiah Simmons tape, among other things. Bo, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's like the opposite from rapid reaction. I think it's uh, we slept on it. We kind of got to uh, let that 38-10 loss marinate, look at some film, look at some grades, and it's it's not much better. We're not here to spit shine the, the turd, but you know, 38-10 loss and, and some poor performances. Obviously, you couldn't duplicate the success you had week one, the preseason. Uh, you know, as as JG said, I mean, tape's gonna be black and white on this one, and they're gonna have to figure out where to improve in a hurry because now you've got preseason finale. And it's mostly going to be comprised of guys trying to make a roster, that guys trying to improve and develop. And then you got Washington week one, Sam Howell and crew. You're going on the road. So uh, it's going to be here before you know it. They're going to cut down from 90 to 53 before you know it. So uh, it's, it was, it was a tough one. It was a tough pill to swallow, but we'll see where they go from here. I think, you know, as far as how you evaluate the quarterback position, I think it still remains pretty easy and it's, Pretty transparent where the organization's going with this. Yeah, I mean, here I'll tell you some things that I was talking about with off air that I had been hearing, we've been hearing as a show is that you know it's Colt McCoy's job right now, but they've given Clayton Tune an opportunity to to run with it. And while he's done some good things, Bo, I mean, he has not had the the sparkling preseason that would be necessary to overtake Colt McCoy. I think Colt McCoy. What is has been vulnerable to be unseated, and and Clayton Tune hasn't risen to what it would take to do that. Um, I don't think his positives on the field, his mobility, right, his arm strength, have in their mind outweighed what Colt can do pre-snap and his experience. Mm-hmm. But I I do think that tells you like their mindset with Colt McCoy. I know definitively Bo is like Colt McCoy is is Colt McCoy, and he's thirty seven, and you know we 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 would be open to something else. It just hasn't presented itself yet. And, and you could make the argument, why didn't you go out and get somebody else? And for that, I think it's it's the biggest snafu of this young regime's reign to not go get somebody else that's competent, guys who are looking good this preseason. But um, I, 
I don't think there's time for, for Clayton Toon to overtake Colt McCoy, save for an injury. I think that time has passed. I really do believe, Bo, that, that Toon had an opportunity. He looked like a fifth-round rookie, and it's unfair for Clayton Toon to be put in that position by the front office, by the coaching staff, the fan base. Like he says and does all the right things. I get that, but it's asking a ton. If, if, if I would say somebody like Jacoby Brissett or Gardner Minshew or Joshua Dobbs was competing with Colt McCoy. They they would have beaten Colt McCoy out this preseason. Yeah, I, I think that that that's fair. Uh, the latter is is absolutely fair, and I think the criticism of Colt McCoy and and I would say maybe just speculating internally as far as where you know the frustration lies is like, hey, gave you you know a series in the preseason opener. You know you go four for four. You can't get points. Probably not your fault because nobody picks up on. Uh, a defender just breaking through and blowing up a third and one run rush attempt. And then, you know, the couple series that he plays in the preseason week two against, against the chiefs, I think, you know, there were opportunities for him to move the chains to, to get this offense going and get points. And it just never happened. Right. I mean, I think, you know, the business mentality of, Hey, get in there, get the job done and get out. It's like, he got, he got in there, he worked and the job, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody would say, Hey, he, he excelled, but it was a home. He didn't, he didn't completely implode either. So, but the Clayton two thing is it's a, it's as, about as unprecedented as, as it gets. I mean, what he was staring down the, the chance to start, it really hasn't happened in modern day football. Like I, I did some digging and it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, outside of 2016, when you saw Dak Prescott, who I think was drafted like 135th overall, he was a, he was a fourth round pick, but that took a uh, Romo injury. Yeah. It took Romo getting the back injury. Uh, and, and for a fourth rounder to, and, and this was like, there were far less comp picks in this previous draft because he was 135th and, and uh, tune was 139 and he was a fifth mm-hmm. round pick, but you know, in the last 30 plus years, we've seen three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks now, drafted after the top 100 picks get a start in there in the season opener. It's, it's four guys. I mean, yeah. it's, it's Dak who that's the success story. That's the exception to the rule. And then you got Kyle Orton, one Oh six, Chris Winky, who was, I think, uh, I think he is 47 years old when he made that start. And then Steve Berline in 1988. And then there was, mm-hmm. you go back to 77 and, and that horrible bucks organization. I think they went on 14 they started some guy uh, who was one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of the sport. Yeah. Kyle Orton, I remember, was only because Rex Grossman got hurt, the first rounder out of Florida. So, I mean, I, I think, again, if, if Colt McCoy goes down, like Clayton Toon's going to start. He's going to be playing. That's not breaking okay. news. But to, to outright beat out Colt McCoy, it would, he would have had to have a, a special kind of preseason. Right. He would have had to make all the throws he wasn't making, missing Greg Dorch in the flat, missing high yesterday or uh, Saturday with Andre Bacella. Um, there were there were throws to be made. He would have had to light it up. I do think Colt remains kind of an enigma right now. And I, I think, you know, it'll be interesting this week as, you know, we're not traveling. Bo's not going to be in Minnesota. We're going to have to rely on our, our folks uh, out east to give us the skinny on what's going on with Colt McCoy. But I, I do think it's, this would be a pretty telling week. I don't think he's going to play Bo next Saturday against Minnesota, but like, He'll, he'll take some live reps, live ammo against a, a Vikings defense. It's not great, but at least it's, you know, it's not the Cardinals defense. It's not the vanilla looks that he's been seeing every day in practice. I, 
I'm anxious to see how he does. If he if he puts together a couple nice, you know, team possessions and we get that on film and that maybe ease the concern of me and some of the fan base, but I don't know. I, I would hate to hear that he's being put on bubble wrap even throughout this week of practice with Minnesota because I just I don't think he's had enough live reps in this offense. I think that, you know, three or four possessions and then fast forwarding a week one against Ron Rivera's real defense against the commanders, that that's worrisome. So um you know, you can say, well, we're, we're trying to keep him healthy. We're trying to – he has a program, right? We know it. Everybody's mm-hmm. got a program. Colts' program is is very unique to a 37-year-old quarterback, and I get that. But I, I just – for me, it does not scream I'm going to be able to withstand the kind of punishment necessary to, to get the handoff to Kyler Murray whenever number one is back. Yeah, I, I saw – just kind of looking back at the film, I, I liked his throw to Hollywood Brown. In the preseason game, I liked a big third down conversion he had to Rondell Moore that he put uh, in, in a nice place uh, to move the chains. And then there was two I didn't like. One, you know, was was overthrown to Hollywood, and then yep. you know the the one to behind Trey McBride yeah. that was so crucial coming off of the the uh, scoring drive from the Kansas City Chiefs that put your yeah. defense right back out there. You know, those are things that I think that you know Drew Petzing and Jonathan Gannon absolutely need from Colt McCoy. I mean, they're not asking him to go out there and, and be Kyler Murray. They're not asking him to be, you know, Mahomes and, and find Payard every time, but you know, what did he get three series? And they didn't, they didn't really get into uh striking distance of, of, of points. And that's concerning. I mean, sure. He's not, he's not doing the worst job you can do where you're turning the ball over and you're giving up points and, and putting your defense in a compromising situation. But uh, you know, I, I think that, what the overall kind of thought process is on this is like, he just didn't, he didn't really take a stranglehold of this position and, and give the fan base without a reasonable doubt that he's the right choice going into week one. And and now you've got a couple of weeks to kind of let that simmer. And, and I think people are, are really uneasy and I, and I get that. I absolutely do. But you know, as unprecedented as it does, it goes like a fifth round guy, one thirty ninth overall, it just, it rarely happens, and I think that you're doing your your guy and Clayton Tune and the fan base's guy like a real true disservice if you ask him to go do that to take on Chase Young, take on Deron Payne. It's just, I mean, you look at his numbers, Johnny. Like they look like Trace McSorley's from last. Uh, I mean, he took care of the ball better, less picks than than McSorley, but I mean, completion percentage wise, you know, scoring drives, they're pretty similar. Yeah, I mean. We had the numbers on Saturday's post game. You know, he was 53% completion. He averaged, I think, 10.7 yards per completion, which, I mean, compared to Colt McCoy, it was like the fucking Mona Lisa. It was 4.6 <laughs> yards per completion. That's that's where Clayton Toon shine. He, he can rip it a little bit. As you mentioned, Colt, no, no scoring drives, obviously no touchdowns. Clayton had four scoring drives and a touchdown. I think that was skewed because he was robbed of a couple tutties. Um, against the Chiefs, in my opinion. I think that at minimum should be two passing touchdowns and, and five scoring drives. So, uh, you know, it just it is what it is at this point. And Clayton Toon's my guy, I would say, and I like Clayton Toon 90% because of my, you know, uneasiness with Colt McCoy. I mean, mm-hmm. like, if we joke about if DTR was on this team right now, DTR would be my guy. If any of these rookies were here, hell, if Stetson Bennett was here and he looked halfway competent, Stetson Bennett would be my guy. Well, wait, you know, let me ask you this. Let me yeah. ask you If Toon put together the preseason that DTR did or has. Oh, I think, I, I think 
I think he would I be. The, I think he would be the starter. I agree. I, I think that this this team would have been like, okay, like this guy's this he guy's some juice. He's yeah, but and it's, there are people. There are people in Cleveland. I talked to my buddy in Cleveland this morning that want DTR to start over Deshaun Watson. And that's that. And Watson's been awful this preseason. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's been an awful person off the field. But it's like people are just like just just see what DTR can do against live bolts in the regular season. It's just like for the the Browns are trying to make the postseason. The Browns think they've got a playoff level roster, hell, something that can compete in the division. The Cardinals, I think DTR. It pains me to say this because he went one pick later and he was a draft darling of mine, not my co-host, but mine. Like his, <laughs> his mobility would help this team and his his ability to throw on the run. He played a lot of good football at UCLA. I I wonder if if they're like, oh man, we we worked him out, we spoke to him. So quick mm-hmm. story, and then I'll and then I'll drop this DTR okay. bullshit. So we were at the combine and very likely just grossly hung over from the night before. And we were rushing. The way it works is you the quarterbacks were at eight at eight. The quarterbacks were at eight a.m. And we were with our friends from the CHGO podcast. And at that point, they had not traded the first overall pick, so we had to rush to see if they were going to entertain a quarterback. They wanted to go and meet with the quarterbacks that were meeting with the media. So we all get to the complex at the combine at like seven thirty, seven forty-five, and all the big ticket quarterbacks, Stroud and company. We're talking at eight in the morning. And if you've been to the combine, there, there's this media room that has about 12 podiums and they bring out these prospects and they say what time they're going to speak. And of course, everybody wants to talk from, you know, what's, I can't remember his name now. The kid from the kid from Alabama that's in Houston now. Um, Stroud, Anthony Richardson, like those guys are all at eight in the morning. And then there's this guy at the podium to the far, far left. No one's talking to him. I'm like, who is that down there? Because I don't give a shit about these quarterbacks. So I walk down there, just grossly, just reeking of alcohol and just and trying to keep it together, right? And again, I was sobered up, but it was just a long night the night before. You just power through. And it was DTR from UCLA. No one was talking with him. And it's like, it's it's a tough scene, right? For some of these guys who were hot ticket guys at their collegiate program, Bob Rock, and you get to the NFL, it's like, oh, you're a day three guy. You don't matter yet. So... I was like, hey, have you met with the Cardinals? And I had like a one-on-one conversation with him, which is not common. Usually you have to fight off like six or seven reporters. I had a one-on-one conversation with him for like 15, 20 minutes. Talked about how much he loved Kyler Murray. He loved what the Cardinals were doing. He had a great interview with the Cardinals. He met with the Cardinals. He loved to stay on the West Coast. He, he's been to Arizona before. He, he has an affinity for Arizona. Super personable guy. And I'm like, I love this guy. And so I mocked him to the Cardinals every time we did a mock draft in the offseason. And my co-host was not a fan. And then they didn't draft him. And now look look what happened. He should be the week one starter, goddammit. He should be. Yeah, he's just not getting 232 guaranteed, 232 million guaranteed dollars like Deshaun Watson. I think that they have uh, reasons to try to make that one that one work with Watson. Uh, look, we'll digress as far as the quarterback conversation goes. Just some real quick stuff as far as uh, some positives from a 38-10 loss. I need I, it. I really liked what I saw from the linebackers. Josh Woods' first play from scrimmage, uh, you know, blows up a run play. Kazir White is out there playing violent, breaks up a pass on the same drive. Uh, Buda Baker's in there looking like Buda Baker. Uh, did one of those signature Buda Baker uh, getting off the ground, you know, where he flips up. 
Loved uh, seeing JT Jalen Thompson. I think in the second series looked solid. You know, I, I think that there was some some positives as far as those two safeties and, and JT and Buddha and the two linebackers and Woods and and Kazir White. Some positive. I, I also saw some positive plays from Zayvon Collins. Um, LJ Collier had a couple nice flash sure. plays again. Yeah, and it was interesting. Like we didn't get to talk about it too much, but it's like when Buddha was on the field and they were running that three safety kind of look. And, and JT was kind of playing the slot and, and Isaiah was the deep man and Buddha was in his normal spot. They were running like a two, four, five. So they had two defensive linemen and it was Collier and it was, I think, Lecky Fotu. And then you had the four linebackers, including your pass rushers, it was Gardek and Zavin. And then you had, you know, all your defensive backs. Keytrail Clark was out there. He was starting opposite Marco Wilson. Marco Wilson made a big pass breakup too. Uh, you know, I, I was I was encouraged while the while at full strength from the first team defense before like the wheels started to fall off. It was like third drive of the of the of the game for the, the Kansas City Chiefs. You start to look at like so Buddha's off the field because your White's off the field. I think Woods is off the field. Uh, they started to bring in some of the guys competing for spots, and that's where they started to kind of eat. They started, you know, Mahomes started to look at Keytrell Clark's way. He got a big play against Antonio Hamilton, and then the play started coming towards Isaiah Simmons, and that's where things really festered for the rest of the game. They just couldn't get back on track from there. I tweeted it out. They played man for the entire game. After playing zone the week before and bringing pressure, they played man the entire night. Um just try to get a different look, I guess. Just you're throwing shit at the wall in the preseason, see what sticks. You knew that they were going to be in trouble from a pass rush standpoint when Maja Sanders, Cameron Thomas, and, and B. Joe Jolari, three of their top four edge rushers, and all of which are not con- converted edge rushers like, you know, Zayvon Collins, were not playing. Right? I, I think we saw how dependent they're going to be on those three individuals. And rightfully so. Like Cameron Thomas played well against Denver. Maji Sanders, B.J. Ozolari working back from injury. They're practicing, but they're, you know, probably on track maybe to play in the opener. That, that That's a, that's an issue. We like that group, but when you get behind that group, Dennis Gardeck left with an injury like it is slim pickings. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'll buzz Craig Gray lose balls here on the on the podcast because he, w- he tweeted out something to the effect of Cardinals are getting a nice long look at Jesse Lucetta and Victor Dumacagey. I'm like, is it nice though, Craig, or is it just – is it just the situation that that we're dealing with? But Craig's a great sport. And, you know, I that defensive line will only work if those competent six to seven players are able to, to play because then it falls off a cliff. People already think the Cardinal defensive line is a joke. If, if you start erasing guys that were projecting to be pretty good over time and it's like we're getting it, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, that's what Mahomes was facing. So I, I didn't freak out with the final score and the, the issues defensively, I actually thought it was really ironic. I thought because your White and Josh Woods looked like the most comfortable inside linebackers this franchise has had since Jordan Hicks and Carlos Dansby were playing well. Yeah. I mean, respectfully with Simmons and Zayvon Collins, isn't it funny? And they were two of the highest PFF rated players for the Cardinals. Um, Josh Woods had a great game and then Kazir White had a couple flash plays like they were they had really high PFF grades mm-hmm. I'm like I don't even remember any time Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons together had anything close to that and it's just like these are the these are the right kind of players for this role um, so let's, let's just trust Gannon I trust JG and Nick Rollis with the defense and that those are the world champion Kansas City Chiefs and you knew that I mean Andy Reid doesn't mess around in the preseason like I thought 
Mahomes is going to play more. Like I, I pulled this up on the on the pregame show, Bo. Mahomes played the entire first half of last year's week two preseason game and like torched, I think, the commanders. So I I was a little fearful, like, oh shit, is he gonna play the second quarter too? And then then it didn't even matter. Uh, mercifully, they, you know, they took him out. But um I still like the Cardinal defense when they're when the starters are playing. I they're gonna have they're gonna have Saturdays where it kind of looks like that. Is anybody thinking that that's not the reality? Because it is, but then I think they're going to have some some Sundays that look like last week. I think they're going to be up and down. I, I don't think they're going to be the sieve of a defense that's unwatchable. For me, it just yeah. comes down to, and you could say this for every position, it just comes down to who can stay healthy. Because if they start losing people like they did Saturday, then, yeah, then it's unwatchable. Right. I mean, especially when you look at the, the secondary, the cornerback spots specifically, it's like, I mean – I'm sure the defensive, the new defensive staff just wanted to see, you know, for their own, in, with their own eyes, what Isaiah looked like in the slot. And they got a glimpse of it and he, it was toast. You know, it was like, okay, well, all right, we just won't do that again. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, we'll figure out, you know, wh- where we can put him, where he won't uh, lose, le- lose leverage like that and, and where he won't just kind of get completely dominated by a, a swifter, more agile wide receiver. Uh, but you know, I, yeah, I mean, I think that what they, they did, they, they went into the locker room 17, 10 and you know, there's your game. I mean, the rest it of the stuff where it's Blaine Gabbert and it's, you know, threes and fours and guys battling for roster spots. I'm not, you know, I, I'm just not that concerned. Like, am I concerned that guys were struggling tackling? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's, what's going to really get, you know, I didn't think that got bad really until the second half. Right. That's what I mean. I mean, you go in the locker room at 17-10 and, you know, you like what you saw from your rookie quarterback, you know, leading the two-minute drill touchdown drive. I mean, that's – I'm into that. Like, I think that that was – that's people are going to get kind of terrified and scared and and turned off by the the final score where it's 38-10 where, you know, this is a preseason game. Let's not put too much stock into it. Uh, do they need to figure out, you know, depth wise, like absolutely. Like who's going to be, who can they rely upon? That's going to be able to tackle. Who's going to be able to cover. Who's going to be able to create pressure and, and not let freaking fucking Blaine Gabbert go crazy, go like eight for nine with a touchdown. And, you know, Steve Bichelle go 10 for 10. And, and the kid, the fourth quarterback was looked like a little, like a mini Mahomes out there at times. Yeah. I mean, I thought when he was going, I was like, man, this guy could be vying for starting reps for the Arizona Cardinals. Somebody asked me, they said, rank the quarterbacks in this game. Yeah. Is Colt McCoy the worst quarterback of all the quarterbacks in this game? And I'm like, I don't know if he is, but that's that's sad that we're having to ask that question. Because, like, David Blau, I I think, sometimes looks better than Colt McCoy. We all know Clayton Toon for a drive or a possession can look better than Colt. Anybody can see who's going out there. Wholeheartedly, almost wholeheartedly. That just rewatch. He wasn't. T- he really wasn't that bad. That and that pass to Trey McBride, and that pass, especially the overthrow to Hollywood, was a beautiful pocket to to yes. throw. The offensive line. Talk about Yelda the offensive line. And, and Will Hernandez are right. having a unbelievable preseason, and you know PFF's kind of given the, you know, the cold shoulder to Paris Johnson Jr., which I don't care for. And then DJ Humphreys was was fine. Then they took him out. We'll talk about Josh Jones here in a second. But the, the first team offensive line was great for the second yeah. consecutive week. And yep. they ran the ball effectively. Connor's getting 7.5 yards per carry. 
And I like the the play to Rondell Moore, even though it got called back for a penalty. That was super creative. Colt McCoy, like he that was the best design run for Rondell Moore I've ever yeah. seen. It was it was great. I don't even remember who what the penalty was on, but I just oh, it was, I think but, but Michael Wilson got called for holding or whatever. No, I but, think it was your other boy. I was thinking it was McBride. Yeah. Oh, was it Trey? Okay, it was Trey. But there's so much good with the. That's why it's so frustrating because it's like we'll talk about Michael Wilson too. He's this bona fide starter now. He's starting over Zach Pascal, which you love to see, and it's just like I I like the potential of this offense, except for one position right now. And it's the most important position. And it's this oh, you're right. it's Michael Wilson. I'm sorry. To you don't think I know my shit when it comes to my boy, number 14, I'm, I'm transparent. I'll call him out. This, this offense, I think can be pretty good. I think they can be serviceable, fun to watch, complimentary. Not when you've got a 37 year old and it's like, you've got training wheels on your, What's that super expensive motorcycle that douchebags ride? What's that one called? That's like it's it's a crotch rocket, but it's is it a, a Bugatti? Is that what it's called? Oh, I don't know, dude. Not a not a two wheel guy. I don't even I don't know. You know cars though, so I just assumed you'd know it. But it's just I'm a big like, okay. It's like you've got training wheels on like a big Harley motorcycle, yeah. and you're just you're trying to rip it up, and you're just like, I'm just we're limited with this right now, and I this this offense is we got an offensive line potentially for the first time in like 10 years and we're, we're wasting it right now. It was wasted Friday night, Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, for the two series. Right. And right. I, I just don't think that they're, they don't have any kind of interest in, in airing it out they, they wanted to kind of, I mean, they wanted to to pound the ball. They wanted to run with Connor. They wanted to do a couple of, like there were back-to-back plays where it was like they were setting up, you know, get the ball into the hands of your tight end. And it was McBride. It was Swaim. And that that's what, you know, was called. That was, that was the primary, that was the primary read. And, you know, that's, that's on the play caller there where Colt McCoy's got to make that, make that throw. And you're getting not that much yardage from it. I mean, I just think that, you know, to the point I was making it, and I think Britton Golden agreed a little bit, like, because you don't especially show the, the entire playbook or in your fire from it for, for Petsing in his first, you know, season, calling plays for the Cardinals. I think it's a, it's a vanilla offense, especially for the first teamers. Just get in there and get the reps and, and get out. Mm. And McCoy, not not giving a, a, a full pass here, was kind of a victim of that. That's fine. I, yeah, he listen. still had plays to make, and he didn't. You know, and that's what I'll say. But I think he also didn't have, you know, he's, he's not, you know, getting Andre Bocellia streaking across the middle of the field that he gets to, to hit for a 21-yard strike. We'll talk about, I'm sure, on Monday's show, Keontae Ingram. I, I think it's it's promising that, I mean, this this run game, I, I don't think it's ridiculous to suggest that until Kyler Murray comes back, the Cardinals should be top five in rush attempts in the NFL. That, that, that's how they should operate right now. And they should work. And I, I'd have to look up how potent Cleveland's rushing t- attack was in terms of attempts per game. I got to think it was really high with Jacoby mm-hmm. Brissett. Maybe that's the plan. Because I, I do think that with the way Keontae Ingram looked, violently running and being able to use him as a compliment to James Conner, I think they need to give serious consideration to just turning this game over to the running backs and then working off a of play action, boots, mm-hmm. and easy throws for Colts and like, I think if you can keep Colt right now to like, this is like disrespectful to say like 
20, 25 attempts per game. I, I, I think I think to me that, that that's where they should be living. And maybe they will. Maybe the week one against the commanders, James Conner gets gets 20, 25 touches. Keontae Ingram gets 15 touches. And it's just that's the team they're gonna be. Um, and they're gonna win time of possession, maybe, but you need a good complimentary defense. Cardinals are just gonna be in trouble if they're ever behind by more than one score. Like this you, is just you have to make just, plays. I mean, yeah. you still have to make plays at the end of the day. I mean, like they were fifth, by the way, in rush attempts. Yeah, that's where the Cardinals need to be on the season, and and that includes the games with Deshaun Watson. And you know, it's it's way it, the days of like the fifteen to twenty, like when Ben Roethlisberger was a, was a rookie and they had the bus and they had yeah. you know a, a really solid rushing attack and good defense and like he's throwing fifteen to twenty passes. Like those are over just because it's so such a passing league now, but. You know, you look at Jacoby Brissett, he throws 34 times in the opener last year for him, 27, 31, 35, 34. So, you know, but they're playing from behind as well. Like he goes, like if you could get a 17 for 22 game, like he did against you know, the Bengals. I mean, that's, 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 I think that's your wheelhouse. For that's Cole. where you want to be living. Cause I do think his completion percentage will be high, but I just, the, the throws that he's completing, are they two-yard out routes to Rondell Moore on third and four? I mean, that that was that was brutal. That yeah. And I don't know if that, I, you know, I'm not going to put much on Rondell Moore right now because I think, to your point, he's playing good football. Like, he's getting open. He's catching the passes that are thrown to him. I, I, I'm going to put it on the quarterback right now. I want to transition Isaiah Simmons quickly here, Bo, because we, we touched a little bit on the defense. We talked about it on the post-game show. I'm sure it'll be a, a topic of discussion all week. But, I mean, that... It's one thing to play out of position. It's one thing to, you know, not look comfortable and to have playing time revoked. He was benched last year by Vance Joseph. The lack of effort that was displayed Saturday night, for whatever reason, I, I wonder if that was the beginning of the end for Cardinal fans with Isaiah Simmons. And I, I tweeted this out today. Um, I still think he has a solid year. I think they get production out of him. I think he's a he's a either a complimentary or full-time player, and he's got some moments this year. But I... After that Saturday night and the fact that they left him in there well into the second quarter and he's playing in there with Keytrail Clark and Isaiah Simmons was the eighth pick overall. Mm. I wonder if they've just, it's just kind of over for him here. Not for this year, but that just, it felt like a turning point as ridiculous as that sounds in the preseason. And majority of the fan base, it, it seems like it feels that way now too. I mean, he can go one of two directions, right? He can continue to kind of fester like he did. You know, this this I think was a game that, you know, could have taken him completely down. I mean, as, I don't know, like the worst graded player on pro football focus, a number that I didn't even think they could register as low. What did you say it was? What did you tweet 26. out? 26.2. He was 26.2. It was a mile. It was a, mar- yeah. a marathon. He, he ran a marathon as far as his grade. That's not great. In no. And pro football focus, how they great. But I mean, when he was in there and it was Buddha and him and Jalen Thompson, you know, he was, he was getting in plays. He was in, and the defense was successful when he was getting in there and he was playing and asked to do more. It just was too much for him. So I think that what we learn, you know, I, I don't think that the previous regime and Vance Joseph like they would have just seen that and been like, well, you're out where I think Rollis and JG will be like, well, it works here. This is just where it works. And this is where we're going to try to emphasize where for it's like, it's not even close. So that's not where he's going to be. He's not going to be like maybe 
moving up into the slot or, you know, moving up into the box. No, he's going to be the center fielder and that's his best role right now. Yeah. I, he, he does not elevate teammates. And so he needs to be elevated by his teammates right now. And it's just, I have to do a better job of disconnecting him with the eighth overall pick. Cause that's not who he is. And he, sh- he shouldn't have warranted that pick. He's just, he's just a, a guy trying to make an impact in the NFL and he's got a unique skill set. And then there's some question marks. Does, does he does he care? Does he does he want to be great? Does he want to help his team? Those are questions that unfortunately we're gonna to have to ask this year of Isaiah Simmons. Because whether it was, and I thought, you know, our new co-host on the post-game show, BG, said it well. It's like, was that a business decision? Even, even so, like everybody's gonna see that. You're gonna see that in film study, like. You're, you're, this is not high school football. I mean, this this is professional football where these other players, while they're getting cooked and they're looking at you for uh, to be the model safety, the model defensive player for these younger players, and you're out there, that's the kind of effort you're getting. I mean, that I can't imagine Jonathan Gannon, ex-safety, that's his baby, his defense out there, what, what they're going to say to Isaiah Simmons. I can't imagine it's going to go well because again, even some of the most staunch Isaiah Simmons supporters in this market, Bo Brock in this media market saw that play on yeah. Saturday night and said, it's that he did not make that play because of talent there's insinuating that he just quit on the play. And mm-hmm. it's just, you just, you feel for it. You feel for the guy and you just have to come to grips with what we thought we were getting. We're not getting, can they, can they make it, a workable relationship this year and then just kind of leave it at that. Cause I, I, I felt better about it when I, when I had heard that, you know, things were clicking in practice and he looked good during the red and white scrimmage. And I think, again, he's going to have times this year where he looks good. But yeah, what man, role was he playing? He was, he was out there with, with Buddha. He was out there with Jalen Thompson. Like those guys talk about elevating players. But that's the- not a guy, in my opinion, you're going to sink big money into then. Like, cause you're, you you no. sink money into guys that are I mean, that, guys that sailed. I mean, we haven't we said multiple times on this, even like with the fifth year option decline. Even if like he has, if he balls out, like what does that season look like, and how does he, how does it go to market, and how does it what what does it cash in? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just tough. I mean, it's just how do you say like, okay, here's a third safety or defensive back, whatever you want to call it, uh, who's not a cover guy. You can, He's not a cover guy. Yeah, you definitely can't put him on a. If you put him on a on an island, it's it's his. It's a nightmare. Um, it's just that's not going to go to market. You're not going to fetch a big salary. So, I, I just think that that ship had sailed a long time ago. I mean, he's just got to prove that he can that he can either this team or one of the other 31 teams sees him play and, and play at a, a higher level than we've seen his entire career. Say, hey, we can work with this. This is a guy that can be an impact maker on a defense. He's just not, you know, as you said, he's not that guy that's going to go out there and elevate his teammates and make plays that, you know, only a few guys on any given NFL defense can make. He's just, he's, you know, he's kind of a, he's a jag right now. He's just a guy. It's crazy to think about. Go from a, a weakness to potentially a strength, maybe the strongest position on the team. So I mentioned DJ Humphreys, Bill Brock. He played a series, maybe two series. Mm-hmm. Um, they got him in, got him out. And then it it was not Kelvin Beecham at left tackle this week with the second team. And really with the first team at times, it was Josh Johnson uh, or Josh Jones. I'm sorry. Okay. 
Josh Jones, and I put this out on Twitter, he didn't have the highest grade of the team. That went to, I think, Will Hernandez. But given the amount of snaps that Josh Jones played, 53, he, in my opinion, was the offensive player of the game. He almost had a grade of 80. It was about 78. I think Will Hernandez had an 89, but it was you know under 20 snaps. So I was being fair to Josh. Josh had a really good game Saturday against Kansas City. Um, it begs the question now that Buffalo is in desperate need of offensive tackle. I'm sure they're not alone. What does this mean for the legitimacy of the fact that the Cardinals now have a a proven surplus? Paris Mm -hmm. Johnson, I think, played well again. Humphreys is your starter. Beecham was fine. Uh, I think if uh, if you ask this program, like of the two entities, I would rather trade Kelvin Beecham. I don't know if that's how the franchise thinks of it, but I mean, do you think it's possible now as they're trying to trim this roster? They start making calls and saying, "Hey, we've showcased Beecham one week, and we've showcased Josh Jones." that a trade could be on the horizon here after Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, if you can, I mean, I I would absolutely, I would pull the trigger on that trade right now. If it was Beecham, I would, and you would feel bad for a guy who wanted to come back and sign a two-year deal and maybe finish his career in sunny Arizona and then go to rough buff, but the opportunity to contend that that's there too. Um, You know, yeah, I, I would, I would do that even though you know, Josh Jones is not under contract beyond 2023. Like you, you, you roll with the younger guy, especially in the current state of the, the franchise, and and see if you, if if he gets out there on the field this year and contend and competes and and plays well, like you say, hey, we we want you to be, you know, maybe somebody that competes for a starting role next year and, and lock you in on a multi-year extension. I don't know, but I would much rather, you know, if if it comes down to the two of them, I'm, I'm picking Beecham you know, every day and saying that's the guy you, you ship out if you can get something of value from return. Yeah. I, after how well Josh Jones played, I think you got to keep Josh Jones and, and, and if he gets a spot start and he's able to play, then you at least get a comp pick for him next spring. Beecham to me was insurance. If you couldn't get Paris Johnson jr. In the draft, you got him now. Um, and they have a surplus. And, you know, I looked at Buffalo's roster before we get out of here, Bo, not to get too in the weeds, there's nothing really that can help the Cardinals this year. Their their defensive line group, they're, they're all locked up. They're older. Jordan Phillips is a backup. Cardinals aren't touching that. I mean, there's 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 nothing that fits a need for a need. So I think if you talk to a team like Buffalo, it would have to be a day three pick. And I think Cardinals would take that. I know Buffalo might be picking t- later, but the there's this podcast that covers the Buffalo Bills. It has almost twenty thousand followers on on Twitter. Um, hosted by by two guys, uh, and basically they're floating out the idea of a fifth rounder for Kelvin Beecham. I, I think I think Cardinals would have to consider that absolutely. And then if you think about like get a comp pick, DJ Humphreys, let's say he, he has a good year, you bring him back, get a comp pick for Josh Jones. I mean that's how that's how good teams operate. But mm-hmm. um, I'm at the point now I'd be surprised if all four tackles were on the team just with how well they're playing, how other teams desperately need offensive line help. Um, I, I know they never want to play Dennis Daly a tackle in a game, but you, you could always get by for a possession or two with, with doing that. Um, but Josh Jones to me showed like, could he be the heir apparent to DJ Humphreys? Like, could you get him back on a cheap deal? If DJ, let's say DJ missed like five weeks and Josh Jones stepped in, it was great. Like that, that's a conversation you'd have to have. Whereas like, you know, Kelvin Beecham's got a shelf life, you know, Mm -hmm. and to your point, it's like, 
maybe he doesn't want to move out of state or maybe he'd play for a contender. So that's the one area where it's like, feels like there's some legitimacy to that as we tried to put together our 53 man roster, they, they needed some help. We had about two spots open for seven guys mm-hmm. and they were carrying four tackles. Maybe after all, they don't carry four tackles. Yeah. And, and then a bunch of kind of Swiss army knives behind that jack of all trades but no masters of none you know i think that jones is a guy that's really really competitive at the tackle spot i think he proved that last year if he can clean up the penalties i think he's going to be a guy that you know no matter what happens you know next offseason there's going to be teams that view him as a starting tackle in this league and uh i i don't i don't think the same could be said for for beecham so you know and that's not a knock on him. I think it just the stage of his career, how this previous off season went, the deal he signed, like Josh Jones is going to get decent money. Not, not like starting left tackle money, but he's going to get, you know, he's going to get you enough to get a comp pick. Absolutely. So, um, I think the idea that Josh Jones, with all due respect to our guy, Josh root could be cut by this team. Yeah. you're not it seemed like not, it was a showcase of Beecham more than anything. You're not rocking an almost an 80 grade as a PFF in a game in, against Kansas City. Pro. I mean, that was always his strength coming out of Houston yeah. too. He was he was unbelievable as far as pass pro and you know, really, you know, gave a guy like Clayton Tune an opportunity to make a play that otherwise, you know, in previous seasons quarterbacks on the ground. So wouldn't it be wild real quick? Of that draft in 2020, Isaiah Simmons is gone after this year. You traded a second that year for D-Hop. He's gone. And then it's jo- Josh Jones somehow figures out a way to stay on this roster with a new regime. That'd be pretty That'd be pretty nuts. Well, it's a premium position. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's funny how that goes. <laughs> Tackles, well, pass rushers, and yeah. A lot of takeaways. We'll continue to break it down all week here on the PHNX Cardinals podcast. Simmons, what happens this week in Minnesota? Who looks good? Who doesn't? We didn't even talk about Michael Wilson. I'm sure we'll get into that Monday afternoon, Bo Brock. But, I mean, I I think put a ball on this. Enough positives to still feel good about where this team is at ahead of week one and the fact that, you know, got some things to work out, but at the same time, the the cupboard's not bare. It's not. It's not. It's going to be a fun week, last preseason game, and plus uh, some practices that, according to the coaching staff for the Cardinals, uh, are going to be pretty intense uh, before the game is played on Saturday morning, Arizona time. Uh, We got you covered all the way through. And then, of course, looking at some key roster moves that are going to be made between now and a week from tomorrow, Tuesday. So, uh, keep it uh, locked here with PHNX Cardinals. Of course, follow us in on your socials at Johnny Venerable, at Bo Brock, at PHNX underscore Cardinals. Follow our guy, Britton Golden. He'll be back with us again on Saturday. Uh, and we'll, of course, let you know when we're going to catch up with our guy, the playmaker, Greg Dortch. In the meantime, have a good rest of your, well, enjoy your Monday until we meet with you again at 430. We'll talk to you soon.